People have opinions without being fully informed. Trust me, I'm a Canadian here. I don't care if you're a Christian, Messianic, or Hebrew roots. I want to know if your theology is biblical. Maybe I'm right. Of course I'm right. If you're... Be responsible. You know, cite your source. You're welcome to college. Hey, we're just having a conversation. There's only 36 people listening anyway, right? You can Google it. Wow, at what point does history matter? At what point does truth matter? An alien invasion. Is it biblical? Of course it is. Look, there's a way to do scholarship and a way not to do scholarship. you got to cite your source. Who's your source? My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows his kid is going with the girlfriend. And that about sums it up. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Rob and Caleb Show, the show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and theology matters. My name is Caleb Hegg. With me, of course, a Rob Van Hop. What up, Rob? How's it going? Welcome home. Shalom. Forgot to send out show notes today. My bad. What? Sorry to everyone uh, out there who enjoys getting our show notes. I it just totally, totally, yeah, I slipped my mind. How you been, man? So those who, for those who don't know, Rob just got back from a little vacay, a little vacay, and uh, how was it? It was a combination of two things. It was a um, what would you say? MTB music teaching baptisms. Yeah, at a community that uh, just a wonderful group of people. Um, baptized two men and six women. Yeah, you did. Uh, in the river, and it was great, and it's just spent a beautiful Shabbat time together, and then uh, uh, kind of saw some of God's beautiful creation on the way back. So, yeah, it was it was a, a wonderful, refreshing uh, time. Good. Very good. Love, love to hear those kind of things. Uh, for, for, for those in the chat room, if our levels are off, please let us know right away. So t- tell me, Rob, before we go on, what, I mean, what are some of the things you brought away from, from the, uh, the oh, well, time you know, away? Like it, yeah, it was, it's, it's great to, A, it's always great to meet new people who love Yeshua and just love the Torah and want to grow in their understanding and are searching things out. Um, and it also, uh, you know, so it was good. I, I, my hope is that, and I believe it, it, I was, uh, but my hope was to be an encouragement and um, a, a resource uh, for this particular community. And, um, but I do see, you know, this is another example, and we, we know this, you know, we've talked about this before, that there uh, are people who are out there who, uh, are looking and praying for uh, sound leadership. Mm. Yeah, no doubt. You know, in the time where there's so much noise out there on the internet um, of these sensational teachings that seem at first is like, wow, okay, you know, it seems like that. What if that's true? You know, that that seems like that might be true. You know, and and there's uh, there's a need for people to discern those kinds of things. Yeah, of course. And it got me thinking, if I may, you know, uh, when it comes to, when we are oriented from the direct scriptures, it's like eating grain, right? Yeah. When we re- read the scriptures in the original language, that's like eating the grain. When you're dependent on a translation, it's like you're dependent on somebody else chewing a little bit and getting some of the digestion going and then, and then, they're feeding you. And so, and, and we need both because I was, I was thinking about this on one of the long drives was that the clean animals have, have a, a split hoof, of course, but they also chew the cud. Well, what does chew the cud? That means they eat the grain initially, but then they kind of, they have like a first stomach or something. Now I'm not a, I'm not <laughs> into animal anatomy or how, but I know that they, so that like a cow, for example, will eat grass, grain or whatever. They'll, chew it, they'll digest it a little bit and then it'll come back up and then they'll chew it again. And I don't know how, how many times it'll go back and forth, but the, so in other words, the, the digestion process consists of eating the grain initially, the fresh grain or grass or whatever. And then 
the cud then is what comes back up and they chew it again back and forth back and forth it, i'm thinking about if if i only use translations i'm i'm chewing cud that somebody else ate the initial grain for does that make sense but when when as we learn the original language we start to eat the grain directly ourselves so we is that crazy <laughs> i'm no, trying but- to just think I, I guess the question is, is do you think that, uh, I mean, obviously there are people who are never going to be able to. Sure. Sure. It's not, it, 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 it's not an easy thing. It's like anything in this life, you know, it, it, uh, that requires persistence and diligence and skill and long-term commitment. Sure. And it costs, right. You got to, no matter what you pursue excellence in, you got to say no to other things, right. Yeah. Unless you're like a, freaking genius, you know, and you just naturally could do whatever, you know. Um, but most people, you know, it, uh, you got to uh, kind of stake your claim on what's uh, going to be your priority and you dive in. And so we benefit from those scholars who've gone before us in the realm of, of the biblical languages. And we have the history of their grammars, of their lexicons, of their translations, of their commentaries. And um, to enter into that discussion, you got to work, you got to have some of this basic stuff down so you can interact intelligently. Um, and the danger in any field, though, is kind of what we call, think of the crackpots who, who haven't uh, uh, done that kind of work, but yet they, they kind of take a little bit here and there and then they run with it and try to, you know, build a new house. Yeah. And the point is Yeshua has been building his ecclesia. And so it's it's not a new house that you need to go build. It's we need to learn to discern what's already on the rock, what's already built versus what, uh, you know, and that's and that's our job. And we can't do that apart from receiving what is good, the good work, the good fruits of, of those scholars that the Lord guided in generations prior. No doubt. Very good. I'm glad you had a good time out there. Oh, and yeah, you took, you took, it was you, like a hundred degrees. It was like, oh. You took your son too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, for those yeah. who don't know, uh, Rob and his son Andrew will be traveling to Israel come the end of July. Uh, first, so excited. First time to go to Israel, first time to, uh, yeah, you're going yeah, to have a blast. This is really special on a number of fronts. A, you know, my son and I, my firstborn, <laughs> get to go do something like this that is just Beyond like a dream come true. You know? Is Andrew we're, pumped? Is Andrew we're just... so thrilled. And he's really getting into photography. And, oh, good. Uh, we're going to uh, meet up with with uh, uh, Mr. Yoel Berkowitz of Adolam Tours. And uh, a stu- the, also a student at Torah Resource Institute. Yeah, we're going to see the Galil, or, you know, Galilee and go down a little bit into the desert. And and uh, I'm thrilled. I am so grateful to the Lord for his provision, for the generosity that people have shown in support of, of this. And, and then just the opportunity to share, um, this, the work I've been doing on the Masora, which of course is the medieval, it's the scribal tradition through which we have the Tanakh, right? The Hebrew yeah. Bibles of the Middle Ages, this product of the of the Jewish scribes of the of basically early Islamic period. We've taught, you know, between so, six and six hundred and the year a thousand. So is is your son Andrew? Is he? Uh, I mean, is he actually going to go listen to you speak, or is he? Uh, I don't is, know. Is he going to walk? If, he's he's like, Dad, I'm going down to Benny Huda Street while you're uh, while you're doing this. <laughs> that's totally totally cool. If he wants to, maybe he'll hang around. You know, walk around, take pictures on the campus up there at, at Hebrew University. Um, I we we don't know. He, he definitely there's flexibility. I don't know if I. One thing I haven't done is see about making arrangements because I think I'll have like this whole lanyard thing, you know. Sure, sure. And I don't know what's. I have no idea. I'm, sh- I'm sure they'll take good of care of you out there. All I'm right. Excited. Yeah, anyway, so uh, thanks everybody for your continual prayers uh, for us for this for preparation for safe travel and for a, a time of. My hope, Caleb, is that uh, 
the second week I'm there, we can do a lot. I'll be able to live uh, show join you for our show, and I'll be. It'll be our first, Lord willing, if this all you know, uh, in His will, it'd be our first Robin Caleb show where one of us is mobile out of land, out of country, but more so one of us is uh, in Jerusalem, and I don't know. It'd be like in the evening for me, so it'd be a time zone difference, but. I think we could. I'd like to aim for that. I'd like to aim for that. We'll 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 take aim. All right. Uh, well, just so everybody knows, uh, this show show one eighty is brought to you by Torah Resource. TorahResource.com. Go to Torah Resource. Find all sorts of great stuff. You know, we moved the site over. I'm sure a lot of people saw the move, and we we are aware of some of the problems that are going on. We are attempting to fix them. And uh, we appreciate everyone's patience as we uh, continue to work to get the site fairly. Uh, besides that, I think it's it, it's uh, it's a good move. Um, for some reason, our uh, our stream stopped. Um, anyway, uh, sorry about that. Um, so next week, our Torah Resource Institute classes start, and. Um, or not start, but uh, you can start signing up for them. Let me tell the chat room that we're coming back. All right. Um, sorry about that, everybody in Radio Land. And am I back on here? For that. Um, okay. And back to the task at hand. Uh, you can call our comment line, 253-465-3205. Uh, uh, I'll give it to you again. It's 253-465-3205. And uh, let's not forget that this show, uh, show 180, is also brought to you by Chava Messianic Radio. Go to messianicradio.com and listen to all sorts of uh, free Messianic Radio. And uh, we're, we've been very happy that uh, Judah has blessed us by uh, by being a producer of this show. And uh, we thank, I think this is their last, uh, their last producership. So we thank them for, uh, for helping support the Robin Caleb show. We sure do mm-hmm. appreciate that. This show, show 180 is going to be uh, really, um, really driven a lot by your emails and your comments on YouTube. And so you can always send us email, chag at torresource.com, chag at torresource.com. Okay. Now that we got all that out of the way. Um, another thing that's happened, and I apologize. So when we came on air, uh, there were a couple of things, technical issues that I was dealing with and uh, am still kind of dealing with. I'm going to open up one program real quick and hope that it doesn't crash our system again. If so, we'll be right back to you. This is the joy of producing everything on the fly. Um, (laughs) and, uh, it's just something that we have to, you know, we bear with it, uh, for the sake of, of our listeners and our watchers and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, uh, we, we need to open up the Robin Caleb mailbag and I will do that as soon as this program opens, if it ever does open. And there we go. So let's see if it's working. Let's open up this mailbag. Mail time. Mail time. We are very happy for all the wonderful listeners that we have who uh, write us. Even if we disagree with you, it's it's a blessing and a joy to have uh, interaction with uh, people on a regular basis. Uh, and and honestly, to know that people are listening to this show. Now, this one person, I don't know their real name, and I'm not sure why people do this. Why can't we just have people uh, uh, use their real name? You know, and I even when you try to do research, I mean, why why do you need to hide behind? A handle, and I'm not saying that this person is, but it seems like there's a lot of people, uh, you know, there's uh, that that don't use their names on on YouTube, and I I don't know. Sometimes I think that that leads to saying things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily say if your name was attached to it. But anyway, this person has interacted a lot with us. Manim for Yeshua, one hundred and forty-four thousand. Actually, it's Manim for Yeshua. 144,000. How do you spell that? Like M-I-N? I am the number four. Four. Y-E-S-H-U. Okay. 144,000. And actually, some of these comments that have been left by by this user uh, is have been really good comments. We're actually going to talk about two of his comments today. I'm I'm assuming that it's a, a, a man. I could be wrong about that. It could be a woman. Uh, but I think it's... Well, Minim... Minim is usually means heretics in rabbinic 
the rabbinic world. Um, so I'm not really sure how, you know, what they might mean by that. But yeah, so we don't know their real name. No, but that's okay. okay. So this is what, uh, this is what my name for Yeshua, Yeshu144, 144,000 says. He says, guys, what would be your answer to the broad criticism that the direction of your ministry is excessively scholarly academic? Now, I'm going to stop the comment right here and answer that question before we go on with the rest of the question. My response or my answer to said broad criticism is thank you. If you think that Torah Resource or the Robin Caleb show is excessively scholarly, good. That That's the goal. We'll talk about that more in a few seconds. Uh, so, but he, but it's framed as a criticism? Yes. Yes, it is. So to that criticism, I say thanks. If you see that as a criticism, it, it, it you know, and I'm not saying this person does, it sounds like he's saying that other people have said this before. So, uh, yeah, that's what it sounds like to you. Okay. okay. So, so if other people are saying that, great. Um, then if that's, if that's your criticism, then man, I, I don't know where you're at, but, uh, so he goes on the early apostles and martyrs had none of these things. That's absolutely not true. In fact, I would categorically disagree with that but had a faith and sanctify and sanctification far above ours. I don't know if I agree with that either. I do think that there is something very significant and special about uh, being able to walk with and talk to the Messiah. But the, the early church fathers, um, I don't think that their sanctifi- sanctification was necessarily above ours. It might, their lives might've looked different. Sanctification comes through the Torah, Right. Loving your neighbor their, as yourself. Their sanctification was, say, what, one more time, how does it phrase? The early apostles and martyrs had none of these things. I think he's talking about scholarly academic. Okay. Uh, the martyrs had none of these things, but had a faith and sanctification far above ours. Let's let's answer this one step at a time. The apostles and martyrs had none of these things. When he says none of these things, I'm assuming that he's saying scholarly academic because okay. uh, but the problem is is that that's that's certainly not true living with your teacher 365 days 7 days a week 24 hours a day I've never done that that's a lot more schooling than I think I'll ever have especially if it's with the messiah right mm-hmm. so i mean the idea that they didn't have any scholarly academic uh knowledge is simply not true they the other thing is, is that the apostles seem to have been quite learned for the uh, for the time period that they lived in. They all wrote, right? They, you know, Paul knew knew Hebrew and Greek, and it seems like he knew Aramaic as well. Um, seems like the uh, the apostles did too. And for being, you know, for being fishermen uh, who could read and write uh, bilingually, it seems to to be the case. Uh, I think that they were and if you want quite if, well learned. If, yeah, yeah, and and another point is, if by scholarship, which is it, the criticism, I think that now I might be conflating his this this uh, listener's point, but we've Caleb, you know, we've been doing this for how many years now? Four years, and, we, and we've gotten criticism for calling out ministry uh, ministries or false te- teachers that we think are false, etc., like that. Like we shouldn't be doing that. Well, if we want to look at what the apostles were doing, if scholarship has to do with sharpening your sword enough to discern between what is food and what is chaff and what is uh, good teaching versus what is false teaching, and if scholarship uh, concerns upholding the scriptures mm. as as God-inspired over against uh, creeping in of false doctrines— then they were, yeah, they were greater scholars than we are. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to say that my faith or, or even my sanctification is on the same plane as the apostles. But what I'm saying is, is that it seems like people in our faith today, in the, in the faith of Yeshua today, we certainly have men and women who are truly on the path of great sanctification. And even uh, to the level, I think, of, of uh, you know, some of the first believers in, in the Messiah Yeshua. So, uh, but I think that what's going on here is we have a misconstrual of what scholarship is. 
Um, it, we'll talk about this more in, in a few seconds. Um, so uh, let's keep going here with this. I mean, uh, back to the quote. I mean, people nowadays are just so polluted by this harlotry, harlotry society oversaturated by information. I, I somewhat agree with that. However, once again, I think that going back, I mean, we're using hence a, the need, uh, hence the need for that sharp, yeah, for clear scholarship, voice. for good scholarship, right? Yeah. Uh, they go on. I think your contribution to conf uh, to conferences like the SBL is a great thing, but there comes a time when a person's soul no longer has a use for man-made theological pontifications. Eastern people like me have always comprehended this better. Um, so, so, so uh, now we're dividing Eastern people versus Western people. Uh, that's not even where. I, let's start even before oh. that. Let's start before that. He says. Uh, he says. But there comes a time when a person's soul no longer has a use for man-made theological pontifications. Is this what you think scholarship is? If you think that scholarship is man-made pontifications, guess what? You have missed the idea of what we're talking about. Scholarship is the ability to accurately handle the word of God and to do so in a historical grammatical way. To look at the history and, and say this is what was meant by the text. The fact that a person can, the fact that I'm reading this in a, in a language like English, I'm reading this person's comment, and the fact that this person's comment was written in a language is part of scholarship. It's part of learning, yeah. It's yeah. part of, uh, that's right. And, and the uh, fact that it's in English, and see, Caleb, English, believe it or not, the English language was around before you and I were even born. So we're, we're speaking words that, Probably Shakespeare, probably 90% of the words that we use today, Shakespeare, you can probably find in Shakespeare. So how many years ago was that? So right there, the, we're, we're using tradition to communicate. Well, the, yeah, let's look, at using, the, <laughs> let's look at the Oxford Dictionary uh, uh, definition of what scholarship is. Scholarship is academic study or achievement, learning of a high level. The scriptures talk about being uh, well-equipped. Uh, being able to handle the scriptures. This is what scholarship is. If you think that scholarship is is uh, theological pontification, man-made, uh, think again. The fact that you read a Bible, the fact that you read a Bible in any language, including Hebrew, comes from scholarship. Or the fact that you learned a language like Hebrew, Greek, or even English, once again, comes from scholarship. What we are promoting is good scholarship. That is scholarship. That and look, we've talked about this before. But someone like Doctor, uh, uh, let's see here, Doctor Bach. Okay, now I disagree with Doctor Bach. He's a great Lucan scholar. His his uh, his large works have been on Luke Acts. Um, he has worked very closely with some uh, groups like uh, Chosen People Ministries, and uh, he's done great work down in in uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. I disagree with Doctor. Bach on quite a few things. And I've interviewed him and we, we discussed some of our differences, especially when it came to uh, Acts and Acts 15 and these, these kind of things. He's a good scholar. I disagree with him, but he's a good scholar. Scholarship right. doesn't mean that everybody agrees the same. Scholarship means that we right. use a, a set of, of uh, uh, we use our minds to uh, try to understand texts better and to be able to understand the Word of God. Now, he's come and up with— And it's an arena where there's cha there's challenge. Exactly. Right? I mean, we challenge one another. We, you know, that, that's—it's uh, about sharpening, sharpening our thinking, learning to uh, more clearly articulate our perspective, our um, commitments— how the texts as a whole um, reflect our faith and, and our faith seeks to, you know, reflect that, you know, all, all these things work together and without the scholarship, we would be, yeah. you know, I, back to the Masora thing. Okay. This was going, uh, this, uh, this is not a Eastern versus Western SBL Academy kind of thing. I've been immersed in the world of the Masora from uh, writings, you know, the notes of the, oldest Hebrew Bibles that we have from the, from the 900s and 1000s And there was no one Masoretic school. There is no one Masora. You have different Masoretic streams and they, they have different ways of doing things. It's even, even within the 
the Jewish scribal tradition of the Masoretes, there is a sharpening going on during that time frame. And so this is a false dichotomy that is that I, I'm hearing, this idea, well, Eastern people like us have always understood this. That's that's that that's lazy. That's such a lazy statement. I'm sorry. I mean, I know it sounds like this guy's got has contributed some good discussion. And, and yes, and yes. But it seems kind of lazy and almost a little bit uh, pompous. <laughs> no, to me, what it sounds like is that, and and this is something that we keep coming back to, right? The tagline of of the Robin Caleb show is. Theology matters, scholarship counts, and theology matters. Well, why have we? Why do we say that? And the reason why is because Rob and I and Torah Resource as a ministry have tried to say. I mean, I I don't necessarily. I I guess I can just say, one thing that we've done is we've seen a lot of the nonsense that goes on, and where does that come from? It comes from a lack of understanding how to how to do do scholarship essentially, how to study the Bible correctly, how to study history correctly. Not looking at, not being honest with sources. This right. is this is where this has come from, and so the idea that theology matters and scholarship counts. People are now misconstruing what we mean by scholarship as theological. Uh, I don't know the, theology of the church. Maybe I I, I I don't know what they're construing it as. But that when you can't when you don't even understand what scholarship means, that's a problem. Here's another point. It'd be if. I don't know if you want to keep reading or what, but he says something about there comes a time where our soul, uh, a person's soul is at risk or something or. No, no, no. Um, let's, let's get his quote right. He says, I think your contribution. No, 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 no. Okay. Sorry. Uh, like had to do with SBL, but some, but a soul, something with your soul. I think your contribution to conferences like SBL is a great thing, but there comes a time when a person's soul no longer has a use for man-made theological pontifications. Okay. If just a point about that. We do not attend SBL to nourish our soul, right? This is uh, that's not. But why it does often, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, because we're in fellowship, we're praying together, and we're we're yeah, digesting what we're learning. And of there's course. there's a there's naturally we're going to be edified in, in that. But I I, I would never blanketly. Um, uh, recommend an SBL or even an ETS conference as some as food for your soul, right? I, sure. I wouldn't just. I, I mean, it's upon upon each one of us to grow in discernment. That's what this is about. Is about sure. individual disciples learning how to how to think more clearly, how to and, handle and the to scriptures, act, act in correspondence, uh, to behave in accordance in correspondence with the will of God. That's what this is about individually. We help each other do that. These kind of conferences. Whether it's ETS, which is a, has a is a faith based institution, or SBL, which is not a faith based institution, a, a disciple of Yeshua has a lot to uh, to take away from those kinds of things in their larger uh, trajectory. But I wouldn't say that a person's soul is somehow at risk or or finds its nourishment there. No, we only find nourishment by the ruach, you know, in in the Lord as we as we are corrected by him and guided along the long path of our life. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's move on because uh, I wasn't trying to pick on on uh, this person. We are going to get to another comment. Uh, this person actually is, I don't know if he's ever going to listen again. <laughs> he's he's quite upset now. Um, same person? Same person, but we'll get to oh, that. We'll get to that okay. comment down below. Um, Let's let, uh, let's go move on to Eric. Eric writes, I have been me meaning to email you for a couple of months, but am just now doing it. You mentioned sometime around Passover about the two days of first fruits. Now, for those who didn't catch this episode or this segment that uh, we put up on YouTube, just real quick, somebody asked us when first, first fruits was. They thought it was on Shavuot, which is uh, 50 days after Passover, right? And their congregation said that it was, or yeah, their congregation, I believe it was, said that it was the first day of the Omer. And actually, we see this within scholarship as well. For instance, Dr. Brant Petrie, who we had on this show for our Passover special, in his book, uh, he, he uh, Jesus in the Last Supper, he refers to Omer 1 as first fruits. And then we looked in the Torah, and sure enough, uh, the... The festival of Pentecost or Shavuot is referred to as first fruits, right? It's the festival of first fruits. 
Mm-hmm. However, it also says bring your first fruits uh, in reference to the first count day of counting the Omer. Um, so right. th- this is what this uh, question, or, uh, this comment is in reference to. Um, he says one be, uh, one being during the week of Passover and the other being during uh, Pentecost, how can there be two firsts? It seems to me one is for the barley harvest, Exodus nine thirty one. barley was in the year Aviv and before seems directly connected to the month of Aviv. And the other is for the wheat harvest, Exodus 34, 22. This is a great, uh, great point. And I think that there is some, uh, something to what he's saying, uh, in that the barley comes in for the first the first reaping of the barley comes in on the first omer, right? And then we see the wheat harvest is on Shavuot. The only difference is, is that, first of all, sorry about that. First of all, we don't have uh, we don't have the Torah refer to the first day of counting the omer as a chag, right? That uh, only only Shavuot is referred to as a chag, right? That's a, a like a festival celebration, um, so. So there is a difference there. Now, it seems also that anytime you have a, a reaping or a, a harvesting of, of a specific plants or something like that, it's the first fruit of that plant. But we don't see uh, first fruits, we don't see a celebration of first fruits celebrated as first fruits except for Shavuot. What do you think, Rob? Well, it's. I think, I don't know if it's the NASB or what, but I can understand the confusion also because there's two Hebrew words that are translated as first fruits. And mm-hmm. you can look in Leviticus 23, you see Reshit Kitzarchem, I think it is, which is the, the, the Reshit is like the word Bereshit in the beginning, right? The beginning of your harvest. That's what you take on the first day of counting the Omer. In fairness to Eric and his question, he actually did put in the two different words. He says one being during the week of Passover, Rashid, and the other being Pentecost, oh, yeah, yeah. Bikurim. So he, I left those out, Bikurim. but yes. Yeah, yeah. Good. Oh, good. All right. Good. Yeah. So that's that's it. It's just an English translation snub. If you just say Rashid uh, of, of your harvest, then you know you're talking about the Omer, the first day of the Omer. If you're talking about Shavuot, you use uh, Yom Bikurim, which is, I think, in numbers, it's called Yom Yom Habikurim, the day of of the first fruits. But you got to remember, uh, uh, it's the word for like uh, they do have semantic overlap, right? Sure. They have they they do have some connection uh, in terms of how they're used because a, a Bikur can be like a firstborn son. Mm-hmm. Right, it can be the first, uh, etc. So, but they're different Hebrew words, and we don't need to worry about the English first fruits, as we don't have to insist that it's the same meaning for both. Is that helpful? I don't. I'm not. I hope that's helpful. Sure. It sounds like the fact that they recognize the two different words means that they can see that they're two separate concepts. Even though our English translations that aren't cluing into that might conceal that difference. And that's that's good. Another example of why um, we need to be able to look behind the translations uh, sometimes when they miss something. So we're going to go back to our friend uh, Minim for Yeshu 144,000. I hope that answered the question, by the way. To Eric, uh, yes, I, I, I fully uh, understand your point. And, and I think you, you're on to something in terms of the barley harvest as opposed to the wheat harvest, right? Um, however, Shavuot is the only one that is called a hog and has the specific word first fruits as seen in that passage. I think, did, did that answer the question? Is our chat room still with us? Nobody said anything in a really long time. And I don't think anybody said anything after uh, we lost connection for a few seconds. So I'm wondering if it kicked everybody out of the chat room. Okay. Anyway, we hope you're still with us. Um, okay. Um, let's go on. So this this is back to our friends. It's back to our friends who. Uh... Now this comment was left after the other comment, and this person has actually given us a lot of uh, comments on a lot of different uh, videos. So um, I think that they unsubscribed to our our uh, YouTube channel after this interaction with me. I don't know how much of this you want me to. Uh, you want me to, to, to read, Rob? Thank you, chat room, for acknowledging. Um, 
I, I don't know how much of this you want me to read in terms of the back and forth, but I basically put, I have about a half page here of this person uh, giving some uh, objections and then me responding and back and forth. So stop me at any time, fast forward at any time, whatever you want. Uh, now, just one precursor also. We understand, Rob and I both understand, that especially in the Hebrew roots slash messianic movements, we are the odd ones out. I would say that predominantly the messianic slash Hebrew roots movements hold to Arminian theology or a free will theology. I don't know how many people know this or not. I think that we've talked about it numerous times, but Rob and I hold to the doctrines of grace. Um, this sometimes is referred to as five point Calvinism. This was probably a bad title for it because there are things that Calvin has said before that I disagree with. But in terms of the doctrines of grace, we hold to the doctrines of grace. Now, I also know that there are people in our chat room who are probably going to disagree with us on this too. That's fine. We can, we're more than happy to discuss these things or hash things, uh, hash these things out. This is one reason that we've uh, had numerous shows on this topic. Um, but this person says, I have a problem with this. And this is on our video, our short clip from last two weeks ago. We took last week off two weeks ago on what is salvation. He says, I have a problem with this. If God is a God of love, then what you mean logically is that he has set aside a huge swath of his created children only for eternal destruction. And they are worthless. That is unfathomably cruel. And with theology like that, can you blame youth today for not wanting to be Christian. Do you wonder why there are no Jewish people who hold to anything like Calvinism? Because it is eisegesis. Ancient Near Eastern thought is alien to an aberra aberration such as TULIP. And TULIP is the, the shortened form of, of uh, the doctrines of grace laid out by Calvin. Ancient Near Eastern thought? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that conflates uh, ancient uh, Sumer and... Uh, Babylon and Assyria and Ugaritic and Egypt, ancient, all well, these. It's more, it's, <laughs> it's more than that because when we were talking, and I, I'll read my response here in a few seconds, but when we were talking about this uh, yesterday, you brought up that there's that this is absolutely not true. Even modern Hasidic Jews today hold to some form of, of uh, election. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, explain. Kol Yisrael Yeshlechem Chelek Leolam Chaba. That's Mishnah Sanhedrin. You, it says all Israel has a has a portion in the world to come, just by means of being Israel. That and it's based on, and you can look at Rabbi Akiva's statement, because God chose Israel. I mean that it's it. So it goes down to an individual level from there, is what you're saying. The 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 idea is that God did the choosing. This is a core rabbinic concept is is the is the chosen people right so this I, is what i, I brought, this is what i brought up in my response let me read my response and then we'll keep going uh, with with this person's so uh, my point is though is he's saying that jews don't think that way well maybe i'm sure there's we could probably find thousands of uh jews that don't think that way but i'll tell you what there are some are, yeah. the, the halakhically strict uh, uh strict and to the letter of rabbinic tradition? Hmm. I wonder, if, yeah. So this is my response. I said, Judaism was originally Calvinistic, in quote marks, obviously. It didn't change until the debates in the church. How can Israel be the chosen people if they chose God and not the other way around? We have discussed this many times on our show. If I chose God, then my salvation is based on me doing a work that is the work of accepting God. I don't believe I am justified by works, but by the faith that God gave me. Beyond this, are you suggesting that God is not in control or doesn't have control over the world and what happens? And uh, he writes back. Now, this is when it, this is not when he uh, gets upset about it, but I can tell that he's starting to get a little perturbed. My wife hates that word perturbed. Uh, he says, I am not talking about Israel being chosen by God. I'm talking about the moral bankruptcy of a theology that has God create humans in his image and being a God of love, yet he has no more generous plan for most of them than for them to rot in hell. I am amazed that you are not okay, disturbed. Pause right yeah. Pause right there. Isn't that, it doesn't that Paul make that very, isn't Paul talking about this in Romans 9? <laughs> Did you see the Babylon Bee? 
the Babylon Bee, uh, uh, Armenian or no Methodist church shuts down after pastor reads Romans nine. nine, Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it sounds like this guy's argument is, uh, he, he says God is unjust to elect people and and to elect people to sell and grant them eternal life. Yes. Well, the, the, the uh, issue somehow he's saying that that that's unjust, unjust of God because he doesn't choose everybody. Yeah, and and the the problem with uh, these kind of back and forths on a YouTube Am channel. Am I hearing well, that right? Yes, I yes, mean, you are. Okay, okay. And, but the the problem with a back and forth like this is that uh, these these issues have been uh, discussed and debated oh, for for years and years and years. And actually, after this comment, uh, one of our friends that's currently in the chat room actually sent me a link. Um, and I started watching some debates with James White defending uh, the doctrines of grace against various different scholars. I probably watched six or seven hours of, of him uh, debate these things. And so it's not just as cut and dry as, uh, you know, whatever, um, uh, you know, a, a couple of comments on a YouTube page. And th- this is why I think, you know, I, I, I understand that this is a much uh, debated issue. And so it's a little bit, you know, I'm throwing out things to this person, but at the same time, we're not going to settle this debate on a YouTube chat. Uh, but this is this was my response. I said, so let me see if I understand what you're saying. You think that any one of us deserves God's grace? You think that somehow God would be unjust if he threw every single human into hell for eternity? We as humans have sinned against the infinitely holy God. God would be totally just and right to throw us all in hell for eternity. The fact that out of his infinite love and mercy, he has saved even one person is beyond our understanding of love and justice. Well, that apparently was not the answer that uh, this person was looking for because he wrote back and said, your psychopathic idea of God doesn't exist, moron. It is a infa- it is a uh, figment of your imagination. See if your minuscule garage ever receives another cent of my hard-earned income, earned by toil and suffering, on which I am certain the true and living God has deep compassion. Being my father in heaven, from my coffers, your ministry deserves nothing. Hey, I agree. We don't deserve anything. Yeah. Right? Okay, so yeah. the uh, back to our five points of tulip. I don't deserve anything. So I certainly don't deserve any uh, from his coffers or whatever he called it. Secondly, this is a, someone who... Do, who doesn't even give their name. So there I would say because if he's going to choose this kind of language, he's a coward. He's he's hiding behind Well, let's not use ad hominem. Name. Let's not use ad hominem no, against no, ad hominem. I'm just saying if he's going to if he's going to call you a moron, I'm going to say, "Look, man, you're not even saying who you are or woman. Carl even, Carl in the chat. You're not even brave enough to say who you are." We, Carl, Carl in the chat room. We serve a God of love, you moron. <laughs> uh, so anyway, my response to this person. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Uh, was this? I said a little harsh for a theological discussion, but whatever. Keep your money. We preach the truth as scriptures lay them out. We stand on the foundation of God's word. Your money means nothing when it comes to the truth of the Bible. Our provision does not come from you. It comes from God. And I stand by that. Okay. Well, we've uh, we've spoken not quite for an hour yet, so let's get into our main topic. And I didn't think we were going to get to the main topic today, but guess what? (laughs) The main topic. The main topic. But guess what? We have a little bit of time. And and, uh, so this... I think many people, especially the people in the chat room, probably understand that uh, we get a lot of the same kind of debates and conversations that come not only into Torah resource, but just as as, uh, Torah keeping believers in general, right? I mean, this is why my father has written series like It Is Often Said or Ten Persistent Questions or or things like this is because um, uh, – Christian, our Christian brothers and sisters tend to have a very hard time with the idea that, that uh, we believe the Torah sanctifies. And so they bring up the same arguments. In their defense, so do people who are Torah pursuing as well, right? I mean, what what theological conversation have you gotten in? If you're a Torah, a Torah uh, pursuant believer, or if you're someone who totally disagrees, when was the last time you had some uh, this conversation about Torah being sancti- the way that God sanctifies, and the Torah pursuant believer didn't bring up Matthew 5, 17 and following. Right? right. I mean, we always right. go back to the same arguments. That's what we call that. I mean, in, in critical terms, we say that's predictable speech. 
In other words, it's like, and we've talked about this before, Caleb, when you were talking about uh, mission work among the Mormons, how there's almost like a script of back and forth. It's yes. predictable. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna say something like this. You're going to say this. They're going to say something. And that's, it's the same deal. Yeah. Um, so this is one of the arguments that uh, has really been very interesting to me. Now, I know a lot of people might think to themselves, no, this is not an argument that anyone would ever use because it seems so obvious. But maybe that's because we've been in this uh, movement or we've been in this theology or whatever you want to say. We've been following Torah and this belief. We've been following the Bible, as a lot of people want to say, which is true. Okay. Uh, we've been doing this for a long time. And we tend to forget some of the mindsets that uh, that we started from or even some of the... Uh, some of where our friends and family have come from into the Torah movement, things like this. So here's the argument. Now, I, I actually got this from two separate people in the past month. Two separate people have given almost the exact same argument. Here's the argument. I've reworded it just so that, uh, you know, I don't upset anybody. Here's the argument. The Torah was given to Israel. I am not Jewish. And my identity is found in Christ. Therefore... Christ did a law away with the law, and since I'm not part of Israel, the law does not apply to me. Okay, let's go back. Okay. So so we have the 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 statement, right? The 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 position, and then we have the therefore, the interpretation, right? So the statement is Torah was given to Israel. Yes. I am not Jewish. Correct. My identity is in Messiah. Yes. Oh, those three things apply to me. But yes. I don't come to the same. I don't come to the same conclusion. I I don't say I'm yeah. not Jewish. Therefore, the Torah does not apply to me. That that they're making they're wiring those together somehow. Is well, that right? Am yes. I hearing that yes. Correctly? And and let's be let's be a little bit fair. There has been a huge amount written. There's been splits in the Christian Church over this same kind of question: Who is Israel? Right. So, for instance, dispensationalism, which we've talked about on this show before, dispensationalism is going to say, um, okay, the church is separate from Israel. God made promises to Israel. We can't, we have a hard time wrestling between those two things, right? So they create what is called a dispensation, a different time period. Right now we're in the dispensation of the church. Once the, you know, God has put the, the, the Israel dispensation up on the shelf. He's dealing with the church. Once Christ comes and raptures the believers, he's going to take those believers and now they're on the, the shelf, right, mm -hmm. in heaven or whatever. And he's going to take Israel back down and this is when a temple is going to be rebuilt and all of a sudden we have the, the Israel age again, the end time age. I mean, th yeah. there's been full theologies that have been, uh, made by this. And then, then there's other theologies, which uh, I think are more predominant right now within the church, which is that God worked with Israel. He sent the Messiah. And this is where Luther comes from too, right? And I think this is where a, a significant amount of Luther's anti-Semitism comes from. Um, God worked with Israel. He made promises with Israel. He sent the Messiah Israel rejects said Messiah. God says, fine, you reject me, i.e. my Messiah. I'm going to reject you. Throws that, wipes that away, and now brings the church in to be his chosen people. Therefore, the church has replaced Israel. And this is what replacement theology essentially teaches, right? And then, as a third and final, and there are many different avenues that we could look at in terms of how this, how uh, different believers have tried to look at the, Israel. But as a final uh, theory, is that uh, is the, is essentially what we have here. The Torah was given to Israel. Uh, God is dealing with Israel differently than He is dealing with believers. Uh, believers, he decided that there was only four laws or two laws or however you want to look at it. Love your neighbors yourself, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Um, or perhaps the, the laws in Acts 15, okay? Uh, these are the, the laws that he gave to, to the Gentiles. I'm a Gentile, and therefore I don't have to do any of that. Two laws, essentially. And this is what we see a lot in... in uh, because right. the, 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 the Christian, pardon me, Caleb, but the, no, you're fine. The, the person, the people who are thinking along these lines, Torah doesn't apply to me because I'm in Messiah, I'm not Jewish. They're not 
I, I wouldn't imagine or assume that they imagine themselves to be lawless. No, of course not. Right? So what, what, So that's what you're talking about. So therefore, they must set up some alternative legal system to which they're accountable and obligated, but it's not Torah. But so the, the, the requirement is somehow it's in, it's in Messiah, non-Jew, but it's not the Torah, right? And that's, they're trying to carve out their, their obligations in this world to God in that space. Is that, am I following? Yeah. And, and, uh, so in my spare time, which I don't have a lot of, but I've been trying to write just a, a page here or a page there. I've been essentially trying to deal with uh, with a lot of the a lot of these issues and taking a lot of what my father's written and kind of rewording it to kind of make it uh, easier for people to understand. One of the first things that I wrote, I've written twenty one pages so far. One of the first things that I write in in this little paper that I'm writing is is okay. Let's define law. What do you mean by the law has been done away with? Certainly, we can't mean all law because then adultery and murder and all these things are. Or even the greatest commandment, <laughs> yeah, of or course. the one like it, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. And so there's Deuteronomy and Leviticus. A lot of people uh, say the the moral law. You know, uh, Jesus did away with the ceremonial and the civil law, and now it's just the moral law. Well, the Sabbath brings the death penalty in the Torah. That means, and it says that it can be pro- profaned. These are moral issues, right? And so the Sabbath is a moral issue. So well, um, and and you're not supposed to. Uh, you're supposed to let your if you have people work for you, you're supposed to let them rest. Isn't that is that moral? Yeah, exactly. I would say I, it's not ceremonial. So exactly. So so <laughs> in what? That regard. The whole point to this is, is that obviously uh, there's been some some trouble when Christians have attempted to use the word law or even Torah and that it's been done away with, without first defining what they mean by law. And then I've had other people tell me, well, it's the law of Christ. We're, uh, believers are supposed to keep the law of Christ. Okay. Galatians 6. Yeah. yeah Galatians 6. Well, he, uh, Paul, Paul uses it twice in the apostolic scriptures. And that's great. However, Paul never defines what the law of Christ is. And so until uh, our, believer, our believing brothers and sisters in the Lord want to define what exactly the law of Christ is, we still have a problem using these words like law and Torah when we're having these discussions. So that's number one. <clears throat> Number two is you have, I think one thing that's been sorely missed, even among Messianics and Hebrew roots, and uh, we can discuss this as well, is that you have two aspects to the Mosaic law. First of all, we see that um, it wasn't just given to an ethnic people, right? It's a mixed multitude that comes that comes up from Egypt. Uh, Exodus twelve thirty eight says a mixed multitude also went up with them along with flocks and herds and a very large number of livestock. So right. we have a mixed uh, group of uh, of lineage going up. It's not just descended from from Jacob, okay? And they they're the ones who receive the Torah. And uh, but then what happens? We see the tribes, the twelve tribes of Israel in Joshua thirteen, I think it is. Uh, they are given specific land rights if you keep the law, right? And we see this in Deuteronomy. Now, I, I actually pulled this this from Deuteronomy. And a, a lot of people are going to know this passage because it's part of the Shema, right? 11, 8 through 15. Deuteronomy 11, 8 through 15. And I'm starting a little bit before where the Shema starts. But this is what he says. He, he says, you shall therefore keep every commandment which I, have, I am commanding you today so that you may be, a, be strong and go in and possess the land into which you are about to cross to possess it. So that you may be prolonged your days on the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them and to their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land into which you are entering to possess it is not like the land of Egypt from which you came, where you used to sow your seed and water it with your foot like the... your foot like a vegetable garden, but the land into which you are about to cross to possess it, a land of hills and valleys, drinks water from the rain of heaven, and a land from uh, for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it. From the beginning even to the end of the earth, uh, I'm sorry, from the uh, beginning even to the end of the year, it shall come about if you listen obediently to my commandments, which I am commanding you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give rain for your land in its proper time, the early and late rains, that you may gather in your grain, your wine, and your oil, 
He will give you grass in your field for your cattle and you will eat and you will be satisfied. Okay, so there's not just a covenant of obedience. The physical descendants of Jacob do have, whether or not they're believers or not, in Messiah, they have a part of, they have a temporal portion of the covenant, and that's land rights. The physical descendants of Jacob do. If they keep the covenant... And the promises of blessing and cursing. Exactly. Right? I mean, those are part of it. Yeah. And this has to do with, with physical Israel today. And one of the things that, uh, you know, we got, a, we got a message from our brother Derek uh, showing... What was it? I mean, should I open that up again? It was... It was really quite disturbing. Um, I saw it, but well, I don't want to get hijacked. We could talk about it, but okay. Um, so, so the point is, is that you have these Hebrew roots people today, or these Messianics, or even Christians who are saying, "Oh, physical Israel, the Israel that we have today, they don't matter. They aren't, they aren't true Israel because they don't, they're not believers, right? And so they're cursed. They're fake Israel. All these kind of things." I'd be very, very, very careful if I were you, because yeah, you're treading, you're, you're treading, tread, uh, you're, you're, you're now coming against God's chosen people. God's chosen people doesn't necessarily mean that they have eternal life. Now, gr granted, God's chosen in terms of the elect have eternal life from the foundation of the world. Amen. Preach it. But, but we don't, but we, uh, Rob or Caleb or Minim 144 or whatever, do not decide. We are not the judges of who is the elect and who is not. Exactly. And we and, are, to, we are to, to bless even those who curse us. We are to pray for even those who persecute us. We have no entitlement to curse somebody or to pronounce them uh, outside or anything like that. And all judgment is given to Yeshua. And he is on his timeline of, of sorting these things out. And we, we trust that. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, and, and, and now let's go to uh, Romans 9, right? They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the, the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh. Now, we're talking physical descendants of, of Jacob here, right? This is, seems to be what Paul's talking about, is the physical lineage from Jacob. He, said, he says, they are Israelites, and to them belong, uh, okay, uh, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Messiah, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children, not all are children of Abraham, because they are his offspring, but through Isaac, shall your offspring be named. And what, it, what does that mean? In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, right? And it's the idea of where God says beforehand, God decrees beforehand. Because when he tells uh, through Isaac, your descendants will be named, Isaac hasn't had any kids yet. Yeah. Right? But, but God is decreeing by promise the seed that will come. God already he's foreordained these. I mean, we know this from Ephesians 1. He's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. Okay? And then later in Ephesians, who prepared the way to walk in advance that we would uh, walk in good works. Now, look, Paul was talking earlier just a few verses before, which we just read. He's talking about the physical descendants of Jacob, right? But now in Romans 9, 8, he says, this means, now he's going to tell us what it means. It is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. And this is exactly what I'm trying to say. Just because someone isn't a believer but has, uh, has physical lineage from Jacob means that they probably do have covenantal land rights with God. That doesn't mean that they have, that's part of the covenant, right? right but right. that doesn't mean that they have eternal life. Eternal life comes in with belief in the, in, Correct. Uh, in, in the Messiah Yeshua. And this is the writing of the Torah on the heart. And this is this what, is, what right. any believer, Jew or Jeremiah Gentile. 31, yeah. Right. And the other thing obviously uh, is. So, that, so the important thing to remember is that that is not, it's not a covenant with quote, the new Testament church, like, you know, that God didn't make a covenant with that concept of the church. Exactly. Right? God, exactly. God gave promises. God, that's what it is. God gave promises and he's good to his word. And it's his promise to Abraham. And, um, you know, Paul says, if you are 
uh, in Messiah, you are Abraham's seed and you are heirs to the promise. That means you're grafted in. That means there's, you're not going to try to look somewhere else to find instructions on how to live your life, or you're not going to have to, you know, I don't know, invent a new kind of sense of law or discern between moral and, and ceremonial, etc., and do all these gymnastics. No, because the Torah is holy and just and good, Paul writes in Romans 7. And it's, it, it, the whole word of God is there for our instruction in righteousness, right? For, for doctrine, for reproof, etc., as he writes in Timothy. Um, you know, I, I don't know how else we could put this, but um, the but, issue is this. People want to say that there's a fear that by somehow seeking to obey God's commandments— that therefore a person must be must have bad theology, must not understand uh, who God is really, and they must have uh, this idea that they need to earn the righteousness. Therefore, they don't have an, a, prop, a proper appreciation of grace, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, and so the the theology that uh, that I'm talking about is not a replacement theology; it's an enlargement theology. Right? We become part of Israel through the shed blood of the Messiah. Yeshua. And this is how we can claim to be part of the new covenant. The new covenant was given to Israel and Judah, right? Physical Israel and Judah. We become part of Israel through the shed blood of the Messiah Yeshua. And this is what I think uh, Paul goes on to talk about in Romans 11. And I think this is, I mean, everybody in the chat room should probably be well aware of this. But Well, yeah, oh, we're, we're, oh, just a footnote there, Caleb, real quick. Just because someone is... Uh, uh, a physical offspring of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob does not mean they are thereby members of the Brit Hadashah. Exactly. The new covenant. Exactly. And so uh, in Romans eleven seventeen, and I think that most of the people who would ever watch this will probably already know this passage, know that this is where I would go with this. Romans eleven seventeen. but if some of the branches... Now, what is the, what is the tree? You know... Uh, <laughs> If you think that the tree is what? Salvation? If it's salvation, then people were born into it? Paul says that people were born into it? How are you born into salvation? You know, it, it, and not only that, but obviously if you're— and Then you could lose it because you, you can lose be cut it. off, yeah. and then you could get it back because you could be grafted back in. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so he says, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourish, nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith, so do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note, then, the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen. But God's kindness to you, provided you continue, you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. What's he talking about? He's talking about Israel. Um... So I think that it's important for us to, you know, I, I think that uh, even within Messianic and Hebrew roots today, and even within the church today, there's there's uh, kind of, I think, a misunderstanding of Israel, the place of Israel with God. How can they be the chosen people if they didn't believe in the Messiah kind of a thing? Um, and this is, I think, once again, this is where some of the reformers, especially Luther, really had a problem with, with Israel. And this is where supersessionism, or all, what is also known as replacement theology, has come from. The thing is, is that if you say that the, the Torah was given to Israel, and that you don't have to keep it because you're not Jewish, okay, let's go back to our original argument that we've been talking about. If this is the case, what do you do with the fact that you probably have a significant portion of Jewish people or people who have Jew Jewish lineage within your church? Should they be keeping the Torah? If it was given to them, if it was given to the physical descendants of Jacob, shouldn't you be helping them keep it since it's for them? Well, that's the argument that like the UMJC or, or uh, no, what's F the one? FFOZ. Yeah, that, that if that a churches should recognize uh, if there are any Jews, you know, descendants, natural branches or however, in their midst, and encourage them to go to the synagogue. 
so um, and say, oh, you know, you're different than us. You're God's chosen people. We are not. Therefore, we encourage you to go to Messianic Judaism while we stay. Yeah, in the church. The church. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about that, that we, we definitely don't think that is uh, wise. Um, yeah. uh, well, it's not well, biblical. A, well, wait a minute. I, I do encourage, I, I, would, I would just modify it this way. I'd say the whole church together should rejoice in God's faithfulness, that there are Jews and Gentiles both worshiping together, seeking to follow uh, Yeshua and claiming him as their Lord and Savior. That's a yeah. beautiful thing. And they should all look to the Torah um, not just select a small group within their midst and send them away and tell them to live differently and separately. I think uh, unity, I think it's, unity over uh, separation, right? Yeah, I think there's an the initial impetus of recognizing, oh, there's Jews and Gentiles worshiping together. Good, check. Yeah. B that the Torah of God is enduring and His promises uh, forever. Check. Good. The conclusion that we then need to separate. Jews and Gentiles, and Jews have to have a different lifestyle than Gentile believers. And I, I don't go there. That's like the wrong move. And yeah. there's been big groups that have convinced Gentiles of this angle. And then you have Gentiles that get excited, and then they support those ministries. And it actually builds the institutions, institutional separation. And it's a, uh, in my view, it's a, it's a dead end street. Ultimately, that's that's uh, uh, my opinion on that. I'm with you. All right. It's been a, uh, a good conversation. And, you know, obviously, I think that anybody who believes in the Messiah Yeshua is, is Israel. Uh, so, yeah. Are we going to maybe next week we'll talk about the flag of Israel and the Star of David a little bit? Yeah, we've, we've we, talked about yeah. that before, but we can do it okay. again. Because um, right, that one guy sent uh, uh, Derek. Sorry, yeah. Derek, you're not one guy. <laughs> I just uh, didn't think right away. It was Derek sent that in. Okay. Um, One of a few Derek's. I know we have a few Derek listeners. So. That's true. That's true. But uh, this Derek is the one who sends us probably uh, the most messages, which is nice because he, <laughs> no, I, I, through, through Facebook at least. So it's good. Yeah. All right. Um, I think everybody heard us say that Rob is leaving at the end of July. And uh, so I'm trying to find, figure out what I'm going to do for that one week when Rob's going to be gone. I have some ideas. I'm not really completely sure though. So uh, if you have ideas of what I should do, while you know, while Rob's off gallivanting in the land, uh, then then go ahead and send them to me. You can do that by sending them to my email address, which is chag at torresource.com. That's chag at torresource.com. You can also call our comment line. That's right, we have a comment line. Call 253-465-3205. You'll not talk to us. You'll just get an answering machine and you can say whatever you want to. And we listen to all of them. We listen to every single message that comes in. So uh, we hope that you enjoyed this uh, this show and the, the topics that we addressed. And just know this, that uh, if you believe in Yeshua, that we believe that you are part of Israel. It's not replacement theology. It is enlargement theology. That means that you have become part of Israel yourself. And with that, we know that of our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah.